what are some of the things you're working on for your upcoming edition? Have you thought about that yet? No, this marks this marks the hundred year anniversary of the school. So I I think the, the article that I did on that I think it's gonna cover maybe three or four pages. Then we had a uh, uh, community love day done in July by some graduates of school who moved away and thought it would be nice to come back and they gave book bags and school supplies to the students and had a cookout. I'm doing an article on that. Uh, what is it? We had a, a student go away to uh, a camp at University of Alabama this summer and we're doing an article on that. We got several articles. I'm Byron Williams of Alabama A&M University, and that was Mary Howard, publisher of The Beatrice Legacy, a burgeoning news effort in northern Monroe County, Alabama, that we'll hear more about in today's episode of Democracy in the Informed Citizen podcast. And I'm Laura Anderson. Welcome to the podcast. Through participation in a national initiative, Alabama Humanities Alliance has considered the future of journalism in rural Alabama. We've held town hall discussions in small Alabama towns about the state and future of journalism. We've offered free training to people doing or dreaming of doing citizen journalism. And now we're exploring the future of journalism in rural Alabama via a limited podcast series. In our last episode, we heard from a couple in Penlala, Alabama, who labored to produce a paper to help residents there know one another better. For this episode, I spoke with the residents of another community in the same rural network, Mary and Freddie Howard. Laura, how did you come to know the Howards? Um, I met the Howards in the mid-1990s. At that time, I was on staff at the Program for Rural Services and Research at the University of Alabama. That effort brought university and foundation resources to bear on work that rural communities wanted to do. They wanted to host health fairs, build school greenhouses, and document local history, connect to the internet, and maintain newspapers. Emphasis back then was on intergenerational work and school-based work for students to do that had consequences for their lives and for their communities. So in Beatrice, the connection was the J.F. Shields High School, and that school, unlike many others that have closed in our state in recent decades, is still open. So in this episode, you'll hear the Howards talk about Shields. That's the school. They also talk about the Pacers. And you should know that it's now a standalone 501c3. It's no longer part of any university. Many people involved have been part of Pacers for decades, though. So Mr. Howard is chair of the nonprofit board. But when Mrs. Howard says that she and her husband go all out on projects to benefit their community, that's really an understatement. Well, I can tell you, for our first episode, when I spoke with Gary and Jerry Burton, who published the Penalala Ledger, I heard how driven they were to building a stronger community rooted in their faith. Gary's service as a pastor of the same congregation for a half century with Jerry by his side. And and now we'll hear from the Howards and they too produce a paper in hope of helping people know one another, but they approach the effort from a more activist perspective rooted in decades of experience with racial prejudice and segregation. Talk 
talk about the community that, that you're serving. Give me give me an idea about that community. It's about it's about um, three or four hundred people. I've been um, involved with it for over forty or fifty years. I started out in the Civil Rights Act part of it and uh, community development uh, from school board. It's um, I used to write editorials. It's a it's okay, but it's um, it's a little rough at times. So it's a community where uh, the blacks on one side of the railroad track and the white people on the other side. And that's the way the relationship just about is. Mm-hmm. So, so in some ways, maybe not officially, but unofficially, it's it's, it's still a very segregated community. Right. That's that's one of the that's one of the barriers I like to see come down. They don't have. I mean, they'll speak, they'll do the day-to-day activities, but to cross the line, otherwise, say, for instance, they got a swimming pool downtown. If a black person, they may go the first time, but they won't make it back a second time in that swimming pool. Why is that, Freddie? Well, prejudice. Prejudice, that's what it is. They don't... um, Bad race relations. I don't understand it. I mean, uh, it's been years ago that our son and some of his friends used to go to the white church and play basketball on their court, right? Mm-hmm. And one day, one of the one of the young men decided that he wanted to go to the white church to join the church, and it was said that they didn't let him come back. But it was said that the the the, the members of the church told that. Preacher, that if he took him in, they were gonna fire him. That's the way it is. Mm. I said, this is twenty twenty one, and we we still in the same relationship so far as black and whites are concerned. There's a line that that they just don't cross. Tell me about the Beatrice legacy and its history, Doctor Shelton. We had a. a a Pacers newspaper at the school years ago, and it died out. And Dr. Shelton, who is over the Pacer program, he just kept saying that he he's getting old and he wanted to see that paper come back. But this time he wanted to have it more community-oriented. Mm-hmm. So i always been in the, in the mindset that I like being creative. I like writing and stuff. So the group... Our paper group agreed to start the newspaper back up. So that's where, and Freddie and one of our classmates named the paper. So that's about where it came from, what started it this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, how often do you publish this paper? We're trying to go every two months right now, but next, next in 2022, I would like to go monthly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we got to get the funds to have the paper printed because Pacers has paid for the two publications that we did. And Dr. Shelton said Pacers is running low on funds unless he get another grant. He won't be able to pay for it. So we want to, I want to do it every month, but I know that's going to be expensive. And right now we don't have the, the community participation that, that I thought we would have. How many people work on the paper every uh, for each publication? How many people work on it? 
Truth of the matter is, it's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Who um, is your target audience? Who gets this publication? Mostly now we are sending out papers to uh, alumni that uh, of the school that uh, are community members who graduated and moved away. Mm -hmm. They seem to be more interested in it. Now, after the last publication came out, we did have a little step up in the community folks, but it's not at the level where I wish it would be. Most of our interest comes from out-of-towners, alumni of Shields, or teachers from Shields. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And are you primarily reaching out to the African-American community, or is it it a mixed group? I'm reaching across the board. Okay, okay. Outside of legacy, how how do people get their news? We got the Monroe Journal, the local county paper. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But see, it doesn't, like the articles that I've been putting in the legacy, the journal don't cover that. The journal don't cover, like I did the article about the 90-some-year-old man here. The journal won't print, they won't go out and print stuff like that. We did a, 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 a story on the logging company. The black-owned logging company. Mm-hmm. The journal don't cover that, so I, we cover community stuff. So you're really providing a real service to your community that otherwise would not be would not per- be out there, right? What are some of the things you're working on for your upcoming edition? Have you thought about that yet? So this marks this marks the hundred year anniversary of the school. So I, I think the, the article that I did on that, I think it's going to cover maybe three or four pages. Then we had a uh, uh, Community Love Day done in July by some graduates of school who moved away and thought it would be nice to come back. And they gave book bags and school supplies to the students and had a cookout. I'm doing an article on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? We had a, a student go away to... Uh, a camp at the University of Alabama this summer, and we're doing an article on that. We got several articles. And then we got the the lunchroom director with the Board of Education. He worked with Freddie on the pace of the greenhouse and the fishery out at the school. So he he puts an article in every edition. Then we got Ms. the, the uh, former teacher, Miss Tucker, Cynthia Tucker's mother. She did the article on Mr. McClammy. You said earlier about that you want to go monthly, but you don't know if you have the resources to go monthly. So, right. so where are you currently being supported financially? We had uh, a few small donations. When, when, when I first put the front page from the first article on Facebook, a lot of people said they were going to contribute, but we haven't, it hadn't come through. We, we're going to do a letter to see if we can get some ads or some sponsors. But I've been bombarded with other issues like shingles and stuff, and that's taking some of my strength. So we're going to work on getting letters to see if we can get some sponsors. Well, let me ask you, and I've asked this to to some of the other guests that we've had so far, why do you do it? It's just something in me. It's just something in me like I, I... Go to bed at night and I'm thinking, how can I get this paper? How can I get the next article? And then I'll be thinking, 
where can I find the next article? And then I think and think and think, and I come up when I was afraid I thought about this article. And, like, I got two sisters who do quilting, and my mama used to quilt. They used, they started out with my mama, and I said I want that to be one of the articles in this paper, and I'm working on that one, getting that one done now. It's just something about when we get into something, my husband and I, we go all out to make it be the best, so it's just, it's just that drive. And that's why I can't understand why everybody don't have the same drive. By the drive to make your community the best. Well, Mary and Freddie Howard, it has truly, truly been an honor for me to sit down with you and, and uh I really, really uh, applaud um, the work that you're doing, and I and I hope that you're able to to find some people to con- continue the work that the legacy is doing. I, I can't thank you enough. It's been an honor to be in conversation with you today. When listening to the pain echoing from Mary and Freddie, it's clear that the scars of racism have not gone away. One of the hopeful aspects of the story is the legacy which Mary and Freddie published already has a history of passing on the tradition of keeping the publication alive. Though the original school-based paper ceased to exist, the Beatrice legacy follows in its tradition. Mary addressed a challenge for these publications, however, which is sustainability. If the newspaper industry overall is facing challenging times, it seems that would be magnified for these rural publications. Absolutely. And the Howards operate with the benefit of being part of a network of rural newspapers and a very small nonprofit that supports their efforts, if not so much with money, then with absolutely invaluable human and technical resources necessary to put out a newspaper. Yes, capacity is another issue. When I spoke with the Howards, Mary in particular, she informed me that she was the only one who worked on the publication. I mean, one could not help but feel her frustration. I know, yes. And limited capacity is always a factor for projects undertaken by rural communities anywhere. You heard how often Mrs. Howard referred to out-of-towners and their interest in the paper. And she mentioned a community love day put on by people who graduated from the school and have moved away. That's out migration from rural America. Populations in these communities are terribly small. And then many residents have to commute long distances to and from their jobs every day. And that leaves very little time for home life, much less volunteering on something like a newspaper. But especially when people grew up in Beatrice themselves, they want to stay connected to their roots. And the newspaper is providing unique connections across geography and generations. The question is whether it will connect people from one side of Beatrice to the other. That does seem to be what the Howards are actually struggling with. Mm-hmm. Yet they keep plugging away, even though Mary as I mentioned earlier, was, was frustrated. When I, when I spoke with her, she was making plans for an upcoming edition. She sees mm-hmm. the good that many people are doing and can't stop thinking of story <laughs> ideas to get the word out about life in Beatrice and other northern Monroe County areas to anybody. I mean, I mean anybody who will read it. <laughs> You've been listening to Democracy and the Informed Citizen, the future of journalism in rural Alabama a collaboration between the Alabama Humanities Alliance and Alabama A&M University and part 
of the Democracy and Informed Citizen National Initiative, administered by the Federation of State Humanities Councils and funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation in partnership with the Pulitzer Prizes. I'm your host, Byron Williams. Thanks for listening. Thank you.